Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to the 7-in-1 podcast. Today's title is, Don't Reinvent the Wheel, Throw Some Rims on It. Don't Reinvent the Wheel, Throw Some Rims on It. And I'm going to highlight stories from people in black history or American history that sacrificed it all so that people of color could live the American dream. A couple of weeks ago, I was on Facebook and I saw this post about a man by the name of Octavius Valentine Cato. I was thrilled to learn about him because for one, he accomplished great things in his short 32 years on the earth. And two, his story was so inspiring, I had to talk about it on this podcast. The MoralHeroes.org website described Cato as a catalyst for unity, who fought for the equal rights for people of color. Cato was born free on February the 22nd, 1839 in Charleston, South Carolina. His parents were William T. Cato and Sarah Isabel Kane. Cato's mother was a free woman and a member of the city's prominent mixed-race DeReef family. His father was a slave in Millwright, South Carolina, who gained his freedom and became a prominent Presbyterian minister. South Carolina prohibited the education of black people, so Cato's father decided to move the family north so that his son and his other kids could receive a proper education. And after a period of moving around, they planted themselves in Philadelphia. According to the Villanova.edu website, Cato's father became an outspoken advocate for emancipation, education for African Americans, and voting suffrage by 1848. He regularly met with famous abolitionists such as Frederick Douglass and William Steele. Cato carried on his father's legacy of political advocacy and education throughout his life. He was a teacher at Philadelphia's finest black school, a National Guardsman who helped raise 11 regiments of colored troops in Pennsylvania during the Civil War, and he was a prominent athlete. Let's go! Once the Civil War ended, Cato decided to use his love for baseball to help unite blacks and whites. He believed baseball was another way in which African Americans could display independence, skill, and equality. Of course, this was not just an easy task, and Cato experienced a lot of pushback. But that didn't stop him from pursuing baseball matches between his black league and friendly white teams that were willing to play against them. James Baldwin said, Not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it's faced. Not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it's faced. Among the many brave acts that Cato was known for, one that stuck out to me was his unscheduled sit-in of what was back then known as the trolley system, but what we know today as the bus system. Moralheroes.org says that Philadelphia at the time was enforcing the segregation laws on the trolley car system. So blacks were continuously profiled and ejected from streetcars at the whim of the conductor and white passengers. This included black women and children during times of high wind and rain. So instead of sitting back and watching these injustices continue to occur, Cato decided to peacefully protest the system to bring attention to the issue. So one night, Cato was minding his business, he boarded a car, and then he was asked to leave by a white conductor. He explained his reasoning and remained seated. Not wanting any legal trouble, the conductor unhitched the horses and left Cato sitting in the abandoned car all night. By morning, a crowd had formed, and the press showed up to document the odd scene, including a writer from the New York Times. 
Frederick Douglass has a quote that says, if there is no struggle, there is no progress. If there is no struggle, there is no progress. Can you imagine the sheer terror that Cato must have felt being left alone outside all night in pitch black darkness in addition to being a black man in the 1800s? Mind you, this is when people were being lynched and all kind of crazy stuff was happening to black people. And I'm sure he jumped at every creak and chirp and movement of the night. Nelson Mandela has a great quote that fits this scenario. He said, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. Cato had to conquer some fears that night. To stay in that car, <laughs> he had to conquer some fears that night because his purpose mattered. According to the ConstitutionCenter.org website, over time the campaign was successful. And it started because of Cato's protest of the trolley system. And then in 1867, a lawsuit by his fiancée, Carolyn LeCount, forced the city to enforce a newly passed state law desegregating Philadelphia streetcars. Cato was quoted as saying, We shall never rest at ease, but will agitate and work by our means and by our influence, in court and out of court, asking aid of the press, calling upon Christians to vindicate their Christianity, and the members of the law to assert the principles of the profession by granting us justice and right until these invidious and unjust usages shall have ceased. This is a perfect example of when your purpose supersedes your fears. Ask yourself this question. What do you believe in so much that you will be willing to sacrifice your life, your time, and your convenience for it? What do you believe in so much that you will be willing to sacrifice your life, your time, and your convenience? Let's go! Cato was a huge advocate for voter equality, and he was responsible for energizing the black men in his town to get out and vote during the 1871 election. Unfortunately, after casting his vote, Cato was gunned down in the streets in front of several eyewitnesses. And even though his killer was caught, he was never prosecuted and was set free by an all-white jury. Let's go! Alright, let's go. Okay, let's do a time jump to December 1st, 1955. There was a young woman by the name of Rosa Parks, who was again minding her own business. She had just gotten off work, she was tired, and she took her typical bus ride home when she was ordered by the bus driver. Again, she was ordered by the bus driver to give up her seat in the colored section to a white patron. Parks refused and was arrested. Her arrest was one of the actions that sparked the civil rights movement in 1955. People such as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Joanne Robinson, president of the Women's Political Council, and the NAACP started getting involved. And they wanted to get black people involved in the movement because they understood the power of the strength of numbers. And the more people they could get to peacefully protest the injustices, the greater the impact would be. The King Encyclopedia says Dr. King recalled in his memoir that Mrs. Parks was ideal for the role assigned to her by history. And because her character was impeccable and her dedication deep-rooted, she was one of the most respected people in the Negro community. Robinson and the WPC responded to Parks' arrest by calling for a one-day protest of the city's buses. 
Robinson prepared leaflets and organized people to distribute them throughout the black community. And on December 5th, 1955, 90% of Montgomery, Alabama's black citizens stayed off the buses. Wow, that's amazing. They got 90% of the people in Montgomery, Alabama to boycott the buses. Let's go. And close to a century after Cato's protest, Parts, along with others in the civil rights movement, achieved a similar ruling desegregating bus systems throughout the United States. Harriet Tubman explains it best when she said, Every great dream begins with the dreamer. Always remember, you have within you the strength, the patience, and the passion to reach for the stars to change the world. Again, every great dream begins with the dreamer. Always remember, you have within you the strength, the patience, and the passion to reach for the stars to change the world. Cato was the first known activist to conduct a boycott of the transportation system. And even though his name is not prominently known, as Rosa Parks, Frederick Douglass, Harriet Tubman, and others are, the seed he sowed enabled Parks, Ida B. Wells, and Claudette Cloven and others to take his idea and do it bigger and better. Cato did it first, but Parks, even though that was not her intention on that day, did it better. Leaders in the civil rights movement thought that this instance with Parks would energize the black community and that people who have been sitting on the sidelines watching what was happening and would decide to join in on the cause and let their voices be heard. And you know what? They were right. They put some rims on it. Hashtag equal seating for all. They didn't shoot down the idea of conducting a bus boycott because it had been done before. They took an idea that had existed already and improved on it and made it better. Maya Angelou said, If one is lucky, a solitary fantasy can totally transform one million realities. If one is lucky, a solitary fantasy can totally transform one million realities. Let's go. There's a very popular artist by the name of Prince Rogers Nelson, aka Prince, who was well known for being a musical genius, an actor, and creative activist. In his lifetime, he won seven Grammys, sold over 100 million records, and was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2004. Prince was one of, if not the first artist to openly rebel against the politics of the big music industry. He protested against the injustices that musicians and singers faced, and his ultimate goal was to own 100% of the music that he produced. Prince protested by changing his name a couple of times, most notably to the artist formerly known as Prince. He also wrote the word slave on his cheek during a nationally televised award show. Ben Cicerio wrote an article in the New York Times titled, How Prince Rebelled Against the Music Industry. And he talks about how Prince actively fought against the music industry and how he did not want his music to be streamed online. A lot of people don't know this, but Prince was one of the early artists that made their music available online in the 1990s. He didn't like the experience. He felt it benefited the user more than the artist. So moving forward, he was totally against allowing his work to be streamed or sold on any outlet other than his website. He wanted to control how his music would be distributed, and he also wanted to control when it was released and what songs would be released. A lot of people thought his ideas were antiquated, but as Jimmy Jam, a long-time associate of Prince, is quoted as saying in Cicero's article, 
If you want to see his influence, all you have to do is look at what's happening today. Well, you have Kanye West releasing an album on different platforms and adding to it as he goes along. Or Drake saying, you know what? I've got a new record. I'm just going to drop it. Music artists have for years desired to have complete control over their music. They produce, perform, and record their work only for someone else to have more rights than they do. This was unacceptable for Prince, and before his untimely death in 2016, he obtained full rights to his music. He was quoted as saying, a strong spirit transcends the rules. A strong spirit transcends the rules. Prince's ideas didn't just catch on with artists such as Kanye and Drake. Taylor Swift got in on the action in 2014 when she ordered streaming music service Spotify to remove all of her music because she felt streaming music services do not appropriately value her art. Talk about antiquated ideas. Prince was well before his time. Let's go! So let's do another time leap into the year 2017. I think we found that artist that Prince was talking about. The strong spirited person that transcends rules. There's a 23 year old artist by the name of Chancellor Jonathan Bennett, who's better known as Chance the Rapper. This guy has the buzz of all the entertainment industry right now, and rightly so. And the reason being is Chance is not signed to a major label. However, in 2017, he's won three Grammys for an album that's not available for purchase or download. It's only available via streaming outlets such as Spotify, Apple Music, and others. And the album is titled The Coloring Book. Chance has been able to do what so many artists have attempted to do for years. He owns all of his music, all the rights to his music, all the rights to his publishing, and his merchandising. Without the money and the backing from a major label, Chance has been able to sell out shows and he has the notoriety that parallels or goes beyond artists that are signed to major labels. And even though I know he's not doing this by himself, he is the face of the power to the new artist movement and it is certainly making waves. Chance looked at the way things have been done in the past and decided that he wanted to do things differently. He says, I make money from touring and selling merchandise. And I honestly believe if you put effort into something and you execute properly, you don't necessarily have to go through the traditional ways. Chance, just like Rosa Parks and others, didn't try to create something new. He took something that had already been done and made it better. Chance didn't decide to use the money and the influence of major labels and get his name out there and then fight like Prince to own the rights to his music. He instead decided to go a different route and try something different and made a tactic that had already been used better. Dr. Mae Jemison, the first African-American female astronaut, said, Never be limited by other people's limited imaginations. Never be limited by other people's limited imaginations. Let's go! The reason I wanted to do this podcast is because I know a lot of times we get discouraged when we look around, we have ideas, and we think that idea is great, and then we go and look online, or then we talk to somebody and find out that that idea has been done already. But I want us to... Stop being discouraged by those who've done it first. Let's see if we can do it better. Your idea might make that idea better. You may be able to tweak it and perform it and see where they went wrong and do it better. So let's not get discouraged when we realize we aren't first. 
we get very bogged down with trying to be creative and innovative. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. That's great. We should try and do something new. But you know what? Sometimes we can take something that already is and put some rims on it. Let's stop thinking in terms of let's reinvent the wheel and let's put some rims on it. Let's make it better. Take some time, look around, think about some things that have been done and see if you have an idea to do it better and put your stamp on history. So real quick, I'm going to go back through and do our weekly review of the quotes that were mentioned in this podcast. Again, thank you a million times over for listening and tuning in all tree of y'all. Okay, the first quote by James Baldwin says, Not everything that is spaced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it's spaced. Frederick Douglass said, If there is no struggle, there is no progress. Nelson Mandela said, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. Harriet Tubman said, Every great dream begins with a dreamer. Always remember you have within you the strength, the patience, and the passion to reach for the stars to change the world. Maya Angelou said, If one is lucky, a solitary fantasy can totally transform one million realities. Prince said, A strong spirit transcends rules. And Dr. Mae Jemison said, Never be limited by other people's limited imagination." Once again, thank you so much for tuning into the 7 in 1 podcast. I really appreciate it. I hope you all have a great week and I hope that you are encouraged, motivated, and inspired to not reinvent the wheel, but put some rims on it. All right, I will see you next week. Vocals out. Vocals out.